0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. This is the Environmental Justice Report with me, Janine Moloff. Well, we're just going to get straight into it tonight. Tonight, the topic is global destruction funded by big banks. I'm aware of the fact that about a month ago, we talked about a very similar topic. This time, it's going to be a little more specific. Uh, we are going to name names. And... All this is courtesy of recent coverage by Dismog, or what used to be known as Dismog Blog. So this week I will discuss that recent coverage by Dismog on what they call their series on climate-conflicted bank... De- okay, let me go again. DeSmog did this series, which they titled Climate-Conflicted Bank Directors. I would say that is a very... Um, <laughs> shall we say, diplomatic way to put it. I mean, you could just basically say that they have a massive conflict of interest, but the smog was classy. I'll give them that. So frankly, and I wrote here in the introduction, that's civil speak for bank officers essentially funding the crime of ecocide. And we've talked about that crime before too, which is it is a new category that a lot of environmental activists are hoping to add to the crimes against humanity and the planet, ecocide refers to the idea that there are people and groups that are destroying the planet. The smog names names in, in their series and discusses the money trail which funds the fossil fuel industry and related industries as well. With the COP26 conference looming, which is supposed to be a big environmental confab that is really the idea being that they are going to further the goals of the Paris Climate Accord of 2015, you can't avoid the discussion of big money. It comes into play. I mean, does anyone actually believe that meaningful goals to save the planet are going to be actualized if big banks are allowed to continue funding our mutual destruction? Of course not. We have no more time for empty promises of politicians beholden to the banking industry. We have no more time for vapid and shallow photo ops as big banks are allowed to profit from our looming climate destruction. Big banks have developed essentially an insatiable insatiable appetite for still more wealth, just like an opioid addict craves the next fix. We can't allow these wealth addicts, a.k.a. the big banks, to run the planet any longer. So let's get into it. So Desmog did this series, which they aptly titled Climate-Conflicted Bank Directors. Um, and the first part of the series, that the title is Revealed, The Climate-Conflicted Directors Leading the World's Top Banks. And the report says that approximately 6- 65% of directors from the banks that Desmog analyzed had connections to polluting industries and what they call obstructive lobby groups. So this isn't just limited to big fossil fuel. It also includes related industries that need fossil fuel as well as think think tanks and lobby groups that keep pushing this agenda, okay? Now this first report on Dismog was uh, authored by Phoebe Cook. Rachel Sherrington and Matt Hope, and that was on April 6th of 21. Again, part of their series, Climate Conflicted Bank Directors. You can look it up yourself. So they go on straight up and say, majority of directors at the world's biggest banks have what they call affiliations to polluting companies and organizations. And these findings should concern all of us because this speaks to what can only be called, and Desmog called it out, as, quote, a systemic conflict of interest. And of course it is. You know, we can talk about the need on a personal level to recycle, to get an electric car, but guess what? Until big banks stop funding the big polluters, nothing's going to change. And apparently in the banking world, through these boards of directors, there is Again, systemic conflicts of interest. You have to understand, people that have been appointed to a bank's board of directors basically are also the ones that help choose the bank's goals, what they fund, what they won't fund. And these people get paid quite well just to attend a few meetings and rubber stamp, I guess, what the top execs want. And if you think that it's anything more than... Greed fueling this, you are woefully mistaken. It is greed, period. Stupid, blinding greed. So the SMOG analysis discovered, as I said before, about 65% of the directors from some 39 top banks had, according to this, quote, 940 past or current connections to industries that could be considered climate conflicted. Okay, all of this is a really nice way of saying that not only do these people have a conflict of interest, but they the conflict of interest is such that they we're never going to get an honest deal from them, in my opinion. you're You're just not, okay they're They are tethered at the umbilical cord to the big polluters. It is a mutually beneficial relationship that the smog is alluding to between these big banks, these boards of directors on these big banks, and polluting industries. So until there not only are money, um, monetary, uh, um, monetary uh, uh, punishments through civil awards to local communities and so on, and not until there's some sort of criminal prosecution of these people, nothing's going to change. These people don't care that they're destroying the planet. Kids like Greta Thunberg are right. You know, these people are, they're not just fiddling while, you know, symbolically Rome is burning. They're having a whole freaking uh, symphony while the world is burning. It's that simple. So, and again, you can't have this. And, and I remember several years ago, I think it was Senator Dick Durbin that um, by mistake, I guess it was a hot mic order, but by mistake he admitted with a microphone running that the bankers run the country here in the U.S. and they're terrified of them. You know, um, I don't know what you call that. What, a, a mafia by any other means? Just a question. So let's move on. The bank directors had affiliations to the fossil fuel industry, um, and they were well represented in all these bank boardrooms. 16% of all board members had current or previous roles in the polluting energy sector. Um, They also found significant ties to banks and investment vehicles supporting polluting industries, as I said before, as well as think tanks and lobby groups that have a history of stonewalling the truth about global climate devastation and campaigning against any meaningful climate action. You have Jeffrey Supran um, who criticizes the Jeffrey Supran is a, a research associate in uh, the Department of the History of Science at Harvard. And he was quoted as saying that the fact that such ties exist between big board, um, Board of Directors for Big Banks and Polluting Industries, is, quote, predictable, yet shocking, end quote. Supran went on to say, quote, the fossil fuel industry has a well-established track record of ingratiating itself with society's opinion leaders and decision makers, and because of the revolving doors between the corporate leaderships of incumbent industries. Um, having its fingers in all the pies allows the fossil fuel industry to quietly put its thumb on the scales of institutional decision making, helping delay action and protect the status quo. End quote. Unquote. And I think he said it straight on, straight on the money. You know, the fir- one of the first people that comes to mind when he describes this, Joe Manchin. Okay, very heavily involved in the coal industry. All right. And Joe Manchin, you know, again, was one of the U.S. senators that was named by the lobbyist, the former lobbyist from Exxon as being the go-to guy when they needed something, when they needed to kill some legislation. This This is organized crime with a Brooks Brothers suit. Make no mistake about it. And, again, the smog called it out as a systemic problem. The investigation did an assessment of the employment history and the affiliations of some 565 bank directors from the boards of major retail banks in the United Kingdom, the U.S., Canada, Europe, South Africa, China, and Japan. And the directors apparently had a lot of experience in high-carbon sectors, which is another way to say polluting industries. And that included in terms of energy, aviation, mining, manufacturing. And the banks, as well as they had these same directors had a lot of involvement in banks and investment companies that supported the fossil fuel industry. All right. We're never going to get clean energy if big banks keep funding dirty energy. And if big banks keep funding the think tanks that uh, publish fraudulent studies and and the lobbyists that keep pushing those those fraudulent stories it's not going to happen and the fact is there needs to be a consequence a negative consequence when these think tanks when these lobby groups when these public relations people as well as big banks and the fossil fuel industry themselves when all of these groups lie and the lies result in further damage to the environment further damage to our children's health, and so on and so forth. They have to be held criminally liable, period, as well as civilly liable on a personal level. No more nonsense. I'm sorry, folks. I get very, very agitated by this. I I don't like liars. I have no patience for them. And, And, you know, it's a sad commentary on our society that we are so used to being lied to by industry, being lied to by big banks, being lied to by public relations firms that couch their lies in pretty platitudes, being lied to by politicians. We've come to expect it. We're so used to it that we're cynical about the idea that we could ever have some accountability or transparency. So well, we have to demand accountability and transparency. And we have to punish those that are lying and those lies result in imminent harm to others. It's just that simple. These people are not made divine. They're just greedy. They want you to believe they're made divine. All right, let's moving on here. The positions on these advisory roles range from director to advisory role. Some of them were employed by companies, trade associations, think tank memberships, affiliations. Apparently, just collected data up to and, uh, and stopped on January 31st, 2021. In my opinion, the banks are demonstrating, what is it, multiple personality and associated lies? All right, I, I, again, it is... Seriously, it's woefully shameful that if you or I are called before Congress, let's say, and we lie, we're going to face criminal penalties because lying to Congress is a crime. Same as if we go to court and lie or refuse to tell the truth and obstruct justice. But these very rich bank directors, Heads of industry do the same thing all the time and get away with it. <clears throat> That's why there's no respect for justice because, again, it's a mockery. So the banks are increasingly saying that they, they're they claiming that they will decarbonize by 2050. But then, a, quite a, according to the SMOG, quite a few of these same banks that are claiming that they will decarbonize by 2050, they continue to finance fossil fuels, which are the major source of carbon emissions. Not to mention the fact that we don't have till 2050, folks. We have maybe eight to ten years. Seriously. What's this 2050 bullshit? Excuse my language, but that's nonsense. And the fact is none of these banks, none of these groups have any intention of decarbonizing until they squeeze every last penny out of it. And we can't wait for that. Otherwise, the planet we lead to these future generations will be uninhabitable. There isn't a scientist in the world that isn't saying that. There are shareholder activists that have filed what are called climate resolutions um, at three of the institutions that were analyzed. And the three institutions um, that are considering these climate resolutions are UK Bank Barclays, Japan's biggest bank, Mitsubishi UFJ. Um, they're both considering what are called resolutions for stricter regulations on lending. Um, US Bank Wells Fargo is facing a resolution to remove its chair. That's nice. It's not good enough. Now, these resolutions have surfaced as there was a report by Rainforest Action Network. And the report is titled, Banking on Climate Chaos 2021. And this report from Rainforest Action Network clearly demonstrated that some of the world's largest commercial and investment banks, quote, had invested $3.8 trillion, with a T, into fossil fuel companies in the five years since the Paris Agreement. You remember that that global commitment to limit temperature rise to two degrees, two degrees Celsius, or 1.5 degrees by 2100. So these were these resolutions are surfacing, and these banks, they pledged that they were going, you know, they pledged that they were going to reduce reduce what they were doing, but again, they invested practically four trillion with a T into fossil fuel companies right for the last five years right after the Paris Agreement so what was the point of the agreement now there's an advocacy group called positive money and there's a quote from Simon Ewell who is part of that group and Ewell said that um, the fact that the banks failed to act showed that they obviously can't be trusted to do the right thing and quote go green not just because they want to do the right thing. They have to be forced into it. To quote Simon Ewell, quote, bankers too often have vested interests in pumping up the carbon bubble, which is why we need central banks to play their role as regulators of the financial system and stamp out risky fossil fuel lending, end quote. And that's what Simon Ewell from Positive Money told Desmog. I agree with him, okay? You can't trust them. You know, keep in mind, we have had, we've got this weak regulation, courtesy of both parties, Dems and Republicans are responsible, but it really started courtesy of the GOP and started with Ronald Reagan, the idea that we're going to deregulate everything and trust the markets. Okay, deregulating everything, including industries that in the past abused us, and trusting the markets is the same as unlocking the doors. To all the stores your house the bank announcing the world that everything's unlocked but you trust that they won't steal it's that stupid you have regulation for a reason because big money interest won't do the right thing unless they fear a negative consequence that is worse than what they could bank on as a positive consequence it's just that simple so the smogs analyst analysis showed big banks that what they call are climate conflicted. And they worked with companies that were identified by the Climate Action 100 Plus Initiative. And these are some of the world's worst polluters. And one in 20 of these big banks had ties to companies that financed the following. Extraction of coal, which for one, which is the most polluting fuel, excuse me. Uh, fossil fuel, that is. The research also found that one in five directors worked at other banks that also supported fossil fuel extraction. And 16%, I'm just reading straight from this, had been involved with investment vehicles supporting polluting industries. And why are they doing it? Because it makes them more money. Okay, do these people care that they're destroying the planet? No they figure they can keep moving further out in another gated community and somehow they will be magically be safe. Okay? To add to this, I went on to say in this report, all, quote, all eight board members of the Dutch Bank ABN AMRO have had positions in environmentally damaging companies with six having current affiliations. Okay. Um, you know, again, this is ridiculous. AB AMRO responded to the smog. A company spokesperson claimed that sustainability was, quote, a core element of its strategy with full support of the bank's supervisory board, end quote. In other words, more public relations speak that's based on the evidence, just a pile of lies. Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse, excuse me, said that Credit Suisse refused to respond to media on the actual records of individual board members, okay? They added a statement to De Smog and Credit Suisse said the following, quote, as a global financial institution, Credit Suisse recognizes its share of responsibilities in combating climate change, and we acknowledge that financial flows also need to be brought in line with the objectives of the Paris Agreement. We believe that our role as a financial intermediary is to act as a reliable partner in the transition to a low-carbon and climate-resilient economy, end quote. Okay. That, that sounds nice. So why do they have board members who help fund big polluters? Again, more lies. You know, it, 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 this the, and these are lies that are stupid lies. They kind of remind me of... Um, They couch it in very careful language, but uh, how do I put it? It's akin to saying that when my dog goes out in the backyard and takes a dump, that the the product that she pushes out smells like perfume, even though we know it doesn't. That's stupid. There was a spokesman from ING Bank who told the smog that the bank was, quote, committed to steering its entire lending book of over $600 billion towards the Paris Agreement goals and would reduce financing to upstream oil and gas by 19% by 2040 from 2019 levels. goes on to say, that, quote, the supervisory board of ING consists of a mix of persons with experience in various sectors and environments uh, and the quote goes on to say that when they select their board, that ING, quote, strove for a balance in nationality, gender, age, and educational and work background, end quote. And this, these quotes came from ING director Mariana Georgie, but she didn't have anything further to add, they said. Uh, the report goes on to say that the other banks that were referenced in the story were approached for comment. J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, directors of J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, which, again, they found they recently spent $317 billion on fossil fuel financing since the Paris Agreement. Um, that also, They also had multiple affiliations to companies funding or associated with hydrocarbon extraction, and that those affiliates included um, General Electric, as well as Warren Buffett's holding company, Berkshire Hathaway, okay, um, so they're involved. They found that 43% of Warren Buffett's Ber- Berkshire Hathaway's energy assets were in coal in, in uh, 2019. Um, and 48% of the capacity assets owned by Pacific Corps, which is an electric utility owned by the group, okay? So you know once again they're saying that they believe in all this but they're still investing in dirty polluting energy you know these companies couldn't they couldn't keep producing dirty energy if these big banks didn't didn't keep funding them okay so when people protest against these big polluters they need to start p- protesting against the big banks that are the money machine behind them okay General Electric, it should be noted, is one of the world's largest makers of coal-fired power plants. Now, they announced uh, last year, according to GE.com, their press release, that they weren't going to build any more new plants, but they do service the existing ones. Six of J.P. Morgan's directors have connections to investment and holding companies, and four to think tanks and associations with a history of campaigning to weaken climate change measures. There were board members who were also affiliated to several uh, other organizations, including Walmart, General Foods, and Starbucks. So, so much for Starbucks, liberal, uh, you know, their liberal image. It's nonsense. They just greenwash. There are regional variations. Um, You don't have to look any further than Canada. See... It's ironic, but Canada, as it turns out, isn't such a great steward of the environment as their public relations would suggest. Instead, uh, Canada is a hypocritical polluter, including with tar sands, the dirtiest fuel. Uh, Canada's oil-rich. They also have banks that have the highest number of ties to extractive industries. 35% of directors uh, in Canada, on can- in Canadian banks held past or current positions in the polluting industry sector. Uh, we can go on and on, but you get the drift here. British banks also had dirty directors, and that is if you measure dirt by a hypocritical conflict of interest. Um, many British bank directors, some 45%, uh, held positions at other banks that supported polluting industries, 28% of directors at U.S. banks held positions with organizations in the same sector. I can go on and on, but the idea is this. This systemic conflict of interest, it just doesn't stop. It just doesn't. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, if the SMog did all this analysis, and, and really, you should read the report, it's phenomenal, Why hasn't the mainstream read corporate news covered this? And you know they haven't. You can only go a few places to hear this level of coverage. You can can read it at the SMOG. You can go to Inside Climate News. Um, Center for Media and Democracy has a section on that. Uh, And you can go to smaller outlets like here at Progressive News Network on Blog Talk Radio. You won't find it too many other places. You just won't. Uh, and this is something, and here, you know, here at Progressive News Network, you can come here to my show, the Environmental Justice Report. Okay, we're going to keep doing this, and this goes on and on and on. I don't feel like reading all this stuff. Uh, not, unsurprisingly, the report found that the Bank of China had the highest number of polluting fiscal ties. Okay? Of the climate-conflicted directors... Okay. Um, the Smog found their analysis focused on board members because board members, people that are on the board of directors of the bank, are the the major decision makers for these banks, and they make decisions on strategy, on how they're going to use their financial resources, and they're going to make decisions on how they respond to regulatory issues as well. And regulatory issues that means well, let's just say it. In my opinion, how many politicians they buy off? Okay, and once again, we don't have to look any further than when the you know the lobbyists for Exxon just spilled the beans. It wasn't just Republicans. He you know he listed several Democratic senators that he essentially hinted at were on the take. Joe Manchin was the top of the list, but there was Kristen Sinema. There was Senator Coons, a friend of President Biden. John Tester, uh, oh, Lord. We talked about on the show before. And, you know, they may get rewarded with campaign contributions, and you can practically see the air quotes, the idea of campaign contributions. But let's call it what it is. It is essentially a system of legalized bribery. And it goes further than that. It goes into the idea that these politicians as well extort money from the very rich. And and, and this is something that has to stop. The corruption, not just in the U.S., all over, but I'm going to talk about the U.S., the corruption in the U.S. government from the president on down, the corruption in the U.S. Congress, both houses, the House, and the Senate, the corruption in state-level houses, all of this, you know, dark money groups where you can't know who's who's contributing, all this nonsense has to stop. That's why they're getting away with it because, you know, it's like this, this Chinese water puzzle. You know, it's like this little puzzle. You never get to the end of it. It just keeps going on and on and on, you know. But the fact is we need to hold these politicians accountable, all of them. And we need to change how we're doing these. I know we said this is about global destruction funded by big banks, but it isn't just big banks. They basically reward politicians that keep pushing the idea of having no regulation at all or no meaningful regulation. That's what it boils down to. You know, we've talked on this show about how, you know, the EPA basically jerry-rigged their own numbers during the Trump administration because they were told to. And the fact is, we haven't received any honest representation, any honest reporting in God knows how long. And so when I look at this report, I just see this, issue as another another byproduct of the systemic corruption in government at all levels it's really that simple the average person can find themselves in trouble criminally with the law for looking at a cop the wrong way especially if you're deemed not white enough you know we've all heard about Driving while black, walking while black, hell, breathing while black. But if you're rich enough, you can get away with destroying the planet. Apparently, we should be de- we should be demanding that the news media cover this. Okay, I'm covering it, but I'm not a. This is not a big, uh, you know, a big group. And thank God for groups like this smog in Inside Climate News. But we need to hold these people accountable. So getting back to the report, sorry I kind of went off, but this is more conversational today. So on the climate-conflicted directors, the investigation identified apparently three types of what they call a climate-conflicted director. I'm going to stop using nice language. These are three types of bank directors that, you know, are ethically dishonest. They have a conflict of interest. And the, does anybody really believe that they are going to do the right thing and give up all the extra money? Do you think they're going to be able to hold on to those those positions on a bank's board of directors if they do the right thing? Of course not. But the three types of climate conflicted director are and I'm reading straight from this. One, those who spent their careers in fossil fuels—well, if they spent their career in fossil fuels and newsflash, they're probably heavily invested in the stock and everything else. Do you really think they're going to um, tank their own stocks? I don't think so. Two, those who have extensive ties across polluting industries—again, do you think these bank directors are going to tank the stocks that they're prob the, the stocks that? probably are where they receive most of their uh, financial windfalls? No. And then three, directors that do not have longstanding relationships with most polluting sectors but have significant occasional affiliations. Okay, so these are the ones that don't get themselves their hands totally dirty, just dirty once in a while. Now, De smog also mentioned that, quote, all directors referenced in the investigation have been contacted for comment. Okay? Now, fossil fuel executives are well represented on bank boards, um, and they're represented through directors that have had lengthy careers in the industry, um, and that includes directors that have had careers with um, companies such as Shell, BP, and Exxon. But also some smaller companies too. So let's move on. Uh, the Bank of Montreal board member Lorraine Mitchellmore. Lorraine Mitchellmore has over 30 years with the oil and gas industry. She spent 14 years with Shell Canada, and seven of those years she was president of Shell Canada. She worked with Chevron and BHP, which, uh, which. She also worked with an Anglo Australian Mining Metals and Petroleum Company. She worked with Petro Canada, which is a subsidiary of Oil Sands Company, Suncor Energy. And regarding Petro Canada, she now serves as a director there. Okay. Barclays Bank director Brian Gilvary also spent his career in oil and gas. He worked for BP for 34 years. Last year, she was, he was appointed chair of ENeos Energy. Now, that was documented by the Smog. And Ineos is a new company that was created by chemicals giant, and the idea was to accelerate the group's technologies under the energy transition. Delvery is also a fellow of the Energy Institute. Now, the Energy Institute claims to be a global association of energy industry professionals. And this group organizes what they call International Petroleum Week. Wow, that sounds a whole lot like Take Your Kid to Work Week, doesn't it? But it's not that benign. Um, And their International Petroleum Week, there's an annual conference, and the idea is to bring oil and gas professionals together to, quote, flourish the sector and resolve various issues faced by the industries. Okay, so all the bad guys are getting together, my opinion. ABN AMRO, with, um, Director Arjun Dorland, in Europe, uh, Arjun Dorland spent 29 years working for Shell, including as a vice president. Before that, Dorland worked as a project manager for Exxon. And right now, um, let's see now, he works on the, board of gas, on the board of gas and electricity company EON subsidiary Essent, okay? Credit Agriculture Director Caroline Coutuier. She also spent her career working in polluted, polluting industries. Um, let me see now. Tattoir is on the board of oil and gas exploration company Morell & Prom. Before that, uh, let's see now. I lost my place here, folks. Sorry. All right. Before that, she spent 18 years at Total, and Total is another... Of oil producing giant and she was the company's director of corporate finance my that comfy that role coincided with society to say excuse me to I can't talk tonight society general director Jerome Contamine, who is also a current director at total Dutch multinational ING director Mariana Georgie okay Mariana Georgi served as CEO and president of this Romanian integrated oil company called OMV Petrum, and that was from 2006 to 2018. She's now on the board of British power generation company Contour Global, um, and Contour Global has uh, investments in coal assets in Bulgaria and Colombia, even though they said they were going to steer away from coal just last year. So, you know, once again, another lie. An ING spokesperson told the smug that Georgie didn't have anything to do with the bank statement reiterating climate goals and commitment to diversity on its board. Uh, No, I'm sorry, let me read this exactly, this is kind of worded weird. So an ING spokesperson told the smug Georgie had nothing further to add to the bank statement reiterating its climate goals and commitment to diversity on its board. Okay, so Georgie wasn't going to comment. South Africa Standard Bank Director Namgando mati Umza worked previously as the CEO of Transnet Pipelines, which is the major operator of the fuel pipeline system in South Africa. She also worked for um, ESCOM, which is a state-run energy company. She is right now on the board of the oil and gas company Sassol Limited Industry executives. Apparently, there were business figures that spent their careers in non-energy sectors. In other words, there were people in the business business figures that were involved in polluting industries, but they weren't from the energy sector, like metals and mining, as well as agribusiness and aviation. I told you I was going to name names, and this is all coming from this mob. Goldman Sachs board member Lakshmi Mittal. So Lakshmi Mittal from Goldman Sachs, a board member, uh, is also an Indian steel magnate who's on the board, as I said, of Goldman Sachs. Uh, Mittal has longstanding ties to the industry. Um, the CEO of ArcelorMittal, which is the largest steelmaking company in the world. Uh, Mittal's a member of the World Steel Association. Um, they've and that World Steel, Steel Association has argued against carbon pricing mechanisms because they want a level playing field. Whatever. Mattel is also a member of the European Roundtable of Industrialists, and which previously opposed increasing the ambition of the EU's carbon pricing system and which think tank influence may have found had, quote, a limited but broadly negative engagement on climate policy, end quote. So I was just reading from the document. Morgan Stanley director Mary Shapiro. Ooh, this one hurts. So, Mary Shapiro is a Morgan Stanley bank director. She previously was she previously served in the Obama administration and was appointed by Barack Obama as the first woman to serve as the chair of the SEC, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. She's also been on the board of major energy industrial food and drink companies like GE, Duke Energy, and Kraft Foods. Deutsche Bank director Paul Ackleitner. Okay, so he's worked in German agribusiness, car manufacturing, and energy. He has had a long career in banking and insurance, including he was the managing director of Goldman Sachs German operations. Uh, He spent 13 years as director of German energy and coal-producing giant RWE. He was 10 years on the board of car company Demler, which is known for Mercedes-Benz. Do you see a, a pattern emerging? A lot of these people, these players, keep popping up, you know, like weeds, like stinkweed, because they they serve across a lot of different things. What happens is a lot of these very rich people love serving on multiple boards because it's easy money for them. It's hard for the average person to imagine, but these people collect uh, in the, A lot of times, six-figure incomes for just attending anywhere from five to maybe 25 meetings a year. That's it. And if they are on, do the math. If you're on 10 boards, let's say, each one has six figures. That's easily at least another million a year just for going to some meetings. They don't care who they crap on. They just don't. So, P- Offleiter um, is now ending a two-decade term as a board member of Bayer. keep in mind, Bayer is a pharmaceutical and chemical giant. They've been involved in quite a few controversies, you know, regarding the production of, you know, carcinogenic and hazardous pesticides, as well as Climate, what they call climate-washing PR campaigns, and that's according to smug.cu.uk. And climate-washing, another word for greenwashing, okay? These are PR professionals, public relations professionals. Um, It may not look like a series of lies that they're telling, but they they kind of cover up the ugly. You know, again, you can compare, use the metaphor of... uh, If anybody remembers years ago, Tammy Faye Baker, okay, she was the wife of this evangelical minister, and she troweled on so much makeup on her face, you would need a pickaxe to take it down. And basically, she was really, and I don't mean this in a sexist way, but she was kind of ordinary looking, but, you know, all that troweled on makeup to cover up the ugly. That's kind of what PR campaigns do when they greenwash something. They cover up the ugly. What's really going on? With basically stonewalling, half truths, um, things of that nature. Okay, and Bear is notorious for them, and That's what Achleitner. He's part of that. City Board Director Ernesto Zabio. He's a board member at Citibank. He's considered a leading voice on globalization. He speaks on climate change and economic leadership. Isn't that ironic? And including, he is his, um, he's a professor at Yale, no less, in the field of international economics and politics. Okay? He may know international economics and politics, I suspect, quite well. But when you fail to acknowledge that we're destroying the planet for this greed, then we have a problem, Houston. Uh, it should be mentioned, according to the report, this is, excuse me, Ernesto Zedillo has multiple connections to high-carbon sectors, including uh, advisory roles on boards. He sits on several advisory boards, uh, including sitting on advisory boards at DP, British Petroleum, Credit Suisse, Coca-Cola, and Rolls-Royce. Again, conflict of interest. The problem with the conflict of interest, you know, corporate attorneys love to say, we we can deal with that. We can build a Chinese wall, this imaginary thing, and we, we won't cross that line with a conflict of interest, except that anybody who believes that's a damn fool. When you have a conflict of interest and you know that doing the right thing is probably going to cost you financially, then, yeah. You can't honestly serve, and for sure, the public can't afford to trust you, okay? Occasional connections, and this report goes on, okay? Um, I'm not going to go through all that, okay? Climate leadership is lacking, according to this report, Um. Molly scott Cato is a professor of green economics at the University of Roehampton. She's also a former Green Party. And she goes on to, she told, she gave a quote to Desmog, and it's the following quote, it's shocking to see the very close links between banks and fossil fuel and other heavily polluting industries, and helps to explain why, even in the middle of a climate emergency, it has been so difficult to undertake the rapid defunding of the very industries that are driving us to climate destruction. She goes on to say, this research needs to become a lesson for banks to conduct audits of their staff, not only to understand their potential biases, but also to ensure that they've undertaken mandatory sustainability education, end quote. Now, I would say I agree with her except that I think it's kind of a naive uh, viewpoint. I don't think the banks care. I think at the end of the day, all they care about is the bottom line financially. And I think that a lot of these people, these boards, when they go to their cocktail parties in the Hamptons or wherever, they're laughing at us. They just think we're a bunch of idiots. Okay, so I, I don't think that sustainability education is going to do any good. I think we need re-regulation, strict regulation, with not only civil penalties, but strong criminal penalties and mandatory jail time for the people that break it. That's what needs to happen. Okay, so Adam McGibbon spoke out also. He's with a group called Market Forces, and they're campaigning to prevent investment and what they consider to be environmentally damaging projects. And he agreed that the connections between fossil fuel companies and banks, board of directors, is a conflict of interest. And excuse me, McGibbon told the smog, gave him a quote, quote, Financial institutions are critical to driving the transition to clean energy. So it's terrifying that their director's views are being shaped by the fossil fuel industry. How can banks reasonably claim to support the Paris Agreement when their directors are linked to an industry with a vested interest in the Paris Agreement failing, end quote. Now, besides this report being written by Phoebe Cook, Rachel Sherrington, and Matt Hope at the SMOG, additional research was also um, added by Richard Colette White and Michaela Herman. I don't have such hopeful or naive viewpoint i don't think these people that lead these banks are that stupid i think they know who these people are and i think they've already done their research and the research included kind of in my opinion i suspect the research included a very cold-blooded audit if you will of how much risk to their public relations uh Image as well as any legal risk, how much that would cost them relative to how much more profit they will receive from investing in polluting industries. Okay? I I think that this is about lawlessness on the part of not only polluting industries, but big banks and the politicians that assist them. And I think corporate attorneys, in my opinion, look to see how much risk they're willing to take. I don't think it has anything to do with anything else. And right now we don't have time to worry about the feelings of these wealthy bankers. Again, Greta Thunberg, extinction rebellion, all these youth driven groups, they're right. And I don't blame them for being angry. There was a protest today. I believe it wasn't in London, but it was in England. um, The protester from Extinction Rebellion was dressed like one of the handmaidens from Handmaid's Tale, and she was just sitting there, camped out, and they arrested her because she embarrassed them. She drew attention to something that the very rich don't want attention brought to. Okay. It gets worse. The smog did a couple other part of this. This climate-conflicted bank directors report. Uh, This next headline report, uh, this was done just this past August, August 17, 2021, Piece by Rachel Sherrington. Again, part of the Climate Conflicted Bank Director Series. The headline is, one in three directors at Australia's major banks have tied to oil, gas, and mining. Do you see, I see one other nice, well, well, not so nice, I see this other connection here, and that is between the investment in polluting industries, the fact that these polluting industries are destroying not only the planet, but they're really just dumping on the global south, which is, for the most part, poorer and browner. I see connections between that and colonialism, or what I'll call European and American and Canadian colonialism 2.0. Okay, you can't be part of the European Union and criticize the average American, for instance, who's just trying to heat their home, for instance, when you have turned a turn to blind eye to what your governments are doing, as they, you know, poison the water in the Amazon, uh, murder indigenous people that are trying to get the truth out you know, especially environmental activists and so on. Colonialism never ended. It just morphed into something that is a little sneakier with the help of public relations firms. And, I, you know, as a journalist, I'm going to tell you right now, I have no respect for the public relations industry at all. I think they're vile. Okay? I just do. They, they serve no good function. Because if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you don't need someone to make an excuse for you, now, do you? It's a teacher and me coming up. So let's look at this. One in three directors at Australia's major banks have ties to oil, gas, and mining. Okay. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Of the 38 directors at Australia is what they call big four banks. ANZ is one. Commonwealth Bank is another. Westpac and NAB, which is the National Australia Bank. They found that at those, of the 38 current directors at those big four banks, they found that one in five directors either had ties to the oil and gas sector in the past or has ties right now. And that included oil and gas giants Shell and ExxonMobil. That included positions held at oil and gas infrastructure firms and power companies. Okay. Many of the directors also had ties to alleged think tanks that lobbied against climate action. And that included the think tank known as the Business Council of Australia. They, you know, again, the Business Council of Australia, it's really ironic here. According to this report, the BCA supports a federal-level net zero target, but they've they've opposed state-level emissions reduction plans. And that is as documented by InfluenceMap.org. Uh, and they've also consistently lobbied for policies that support the fossil fuel industry. So how in the world can you support a net zero ta- net zero target when you're lobbying for policies to support dirty energy? You can't have it both ways. So this is – we're going to move on here, okay? Um between 2016 and 2020, the big four banks in Australia collectively provided $32.41 billion in financing to the fossil fuel industry, and that is as documented by FossilBanks.org. Um, you know, again, these banks, they release these, they, they issue these bold pledges on climate, okay? There again, through public relations firms, but they don't mean it. You know, actions their actions belie their words. You know, which is a fancy way of saying talk is cheap. In fact, the global banking sector, and I know I've mentioned this statement before, has, um, according to fossilbanks.org, has put in some 3.8 trillion with a T into oil, gas, and coal projects since. The 2015 Paris Agreement, so they increased it. Okay. Uh, Market forces, which is a group campaigning to prevent investment in what they call environmentally damaging projects, Um, somebody named Jack Bertolis gave a quote to DisMoG about the idea that there was a toxic influence invested vested interest on these banks' boards. Um, to quote Bertolis, quote, the boards of Australia's banks should be extremely sensitive to fossil fuel industry cheerleaders holding back action that would allow the bank to minimize its exposure to the massive financial risk climate change poses, end quote, Bertolis said. You have to remember, we have the same thing with U.S. interest here. For 90 years, the U.S. Congress has authorized um, subsidies to the fossil fuel industry and propping them up. That's why they can continue to go on, and that and it undermines renewables. That's it. We could take, and we've done a show on it. We, you know, you all you have to do. Anybody wants to see it, just go into the archives. You can find it. Um, so once again, you've got this incestuous relationship between dirty fuel, dirty banks, and dirty politicians. It's my opinion. But there's plenty of documentation to support it. Okay. Um let's move on. Okay. You guys have heard enough. You get the idea here. Okay. In the UK, again, another piece from this smog that climate conflicted board directors lead UK's banks, the United Kingdom. And this is a piece by, again, the lead researchers Phoebe Cook, Rachel Sherrington, and Matt Hope. You know, polluting industries are overwhelmingly represented on the boards of many of the UK's bank of directors. In fact, the research that smog has done showed that 80% of the board members at the UK's five biggest banks have relationships with environmentally damaging companies, and these relationships include either as a, uh, a past advisor or employee or a current advisor or employee. Again, conflict of interest overall. You can't trust them. The analysis to SMOG did, they looked at 64 current directors at the following banks, Barclays, HSBC, NatWest, Lloyds, and Standard Charter. And, you know, this comes as the shareholders are starting to meet to consider some progressive environmental resolutions at the bank's AGMs. And this also explains what I said just a few minutes ago. Board positions are part-time, but they're lucrative. Okay, board members, as documented by the com, can receive and pay, you know, in the six figures for attending, say, maybe 25, 26 meetings a year. That's not even a month of work. Do you really think they're going to give it up? No. Um, there is this revolving door between banks and the fossil fuel industry. Okay, we've we've heard enough. We know this documentation is all here, so we're going to move ahead. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me. Right now, on another l- line of thought, banks are big banks are facing some public pressure. Um, they're wanting to look like they are responsible climate actors. Um, and they're facing pressure to, you know, basically pull the support that in funding for high carbon industries. Now the five banks that were listed earlier in this piece, let me go back here. Um, no, I'm sorry, take that back. So this particular part of the report mentioned Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, UBS, and J.P. Morgan. Okay, um, those banks. No, I take that back. My bad. Sorry about it. Okay, um, the UK's only independent retail banks. They've pledged to make sure their policies are in alignment with the Paris Agreement and the target of limiting global warming to what they call, quote, well below pre-industrial temperatures, whatever that means. But all those banks have faced criticism for not doing enough to prove that they have true climate commitments. Okay, so Lloyd's is the UK's largest domestic bank. They pledged to cut the amount of carbon emissions that they finance through personal and business loans by 2030 in half. NatWest, which before that was called RBS, pledged to reduce its climate impact by 50% by 2030. Standard Charter in May of 2020 um, had to defend the bank's environmental credentials because climate campaigners criticized their funding of fossil fuel companies. In 2020, Barclays rejected a Marine Stray Friends' with the climate motion to end fi- fossil fuel financing but now they're going to face a second shareholder resolution on its response to climate change, and and they did in May 21. Um, HSBC's directors are considering a shareholder motion. You know, this this particular article was written back in March of 21, by the way. Um, And the shareholder motion is... So HSBC's board of directors are as of march of 21 they had to consider a shareholder motion that was backed by major investors and it requested the bank decrease their exposure to fossil fuels and to start with their exposure to coal but you know again these are words where's the proof you know for full accountability you also have to full transparency and we don't have that okay um campaigners for the Environment are obviously viewing this with a very skeptical lens. Um, a group called Commonwealth, there is a statement from Adrienne Buller, who is a senior research fellow at Commonwealth. Commonwealth is a think tank that is working to push democratic and, a democratic and a sustainable economy. And they call out big banks' practices. Um, You know, and the quote from Buller is the following quote, quite frankly, ties to industry are almost inevitable in the corporate governance structures that dominate today. I can't see how a banking system with such extensive ties to this powerful industry could be expected to approach these decisions with the urgency required, end quote. Well, of course not. They're not going to. Uh, Share actions. also issued a statement, quote, how can we possibly expect those at the very top of banks such as Barclays and HSBC to make difficult yet necessary decisions on fossil fuels given their close links with fossil fuel-dependent industries, end quote. Investors should take note of the revolving door between banks and the fossil fuel industry and use their voting rights to discharge climate-conflicted directors, end quote. And it's true. they got to go. Okay, and this goes on in Africa, too. One in three, a new report that was uh, published by Desmog on May 25, 2021, written by Rachel Sherrington, again, the series Climate Conflict the Bank Directors, headlining one in three directors at Africa's biggest bank have ties to the coal industry. Standard Bank has been involved in some of the largest and most controversial fossil fuel projects on the continent. It goes on to say almost a third of the directors of the biggest bank in Africa have very close ties to the coal industry, which, again, when you have this conflict of interest, you have to doubt that anything they say is going to be sincere or can be trusted, all right? If they are aligned with the coal industry and that's how they make their money, they're not going to give it up. That's me talking, not the smog. Okay, so... The Desmog investigation found that some 29% of board members of South Africa's Standard Bank have roles in companies in the coal supply chain either right now or in the past. And these are companies that are included on the global coal exit list, and that's according to coalexit.org. Uh, almost a quarter, 24% of board members have current ties to the industry. So making it one of the most co-affiliated of any of the 39 banks analyzed by Dismod. More than 80% of the directors had either a past or a current tie to polluting industries. Um, Again, either right now or in the past. Standard Bank agreed to set plans to reduce fossil fuel financing in line with climate goals. And that was as documented by engineeringnews.co.ca. Again, the campaigners aren't really buying it. Um, there's a group called Bank for Our Future. somebody named Bo O'Sullivan uh, criticized the directors you know the fact that they had these connections to the continent's quote most aggressive polluters. Um, and so the shareholders should consider the affiliations of various directors before you know at their annual meeting their annual general annual general meeting you know, whether or not they should be retained. Uh, To quote Bo O'Sullivan with Bank for Our Future, quote, in the run-up to the AGM, in other words, the annual general meeting on Thursday, shareholders should seriously be questioning whether these conflicts will hinder the board from following through on the climate action we need and whether the boardroom needs a total refresh, he said. Okay. We can go on and on and on, but this is what we're dealing with now. Um, Standard Bank is considered climate-conflicted. Um, it's documented by banktrack.org, Their Standard Bank is involved in some of the largest and some of the most controversial projects on the African continent, and that includes a $20 billion deal in Mozambique for, liquid natu- nat- for a liquid natural gas pipeline. And it was suspended recently because there was violence in the region. They're also connected to the East African crude oil pipeline. Um, And Standard Bank had a spokesperson that issued um, a statement that if it weren't so sad, it would be laughable. You know, here you have a bank that is connected to polluters that apparently it looks like they don't care about, you know, who gets dumped on in terms of the climate, but their spokesperson, Standard Bank spokesperson, said that the group was, quote, committed to inclusive and sustainable human development, and that they saw climate change as, quote, a material risk to Africa's development, end quote. The Sp- Standard Bank spokesperson went on to say, quote, as a founding signatory of the United Nations Principles for Responsible Banking, we understand that there is an important role that banks must play in ensuring a just transition to a lower carbon economy, end quote. Honestly, I didn't, um, I don't know if you can say this on radio, but I didn't know that so much bullshit could come out of one person's mouth. Okay. So, Mohammed Adal, who is the director of PowerShift Africa, issued a very um, on-target, quote, about this incestuous relationship between big banks and big polluters. To quote Mohamed O'Dell, director of PowerShip Africa, quote, the cozy relationship between big banks and big polluters is, is what has got us into this mess. It seems there's clearly a conflict of interest here when these same people will be voting on resolutions directly linked to climate change and the financing of fossil fuels, end quote. Thank you, Mohammed Adal. He's calling them out for the liars they are. Love it. Okay. I will. Um, I will give this one disclaimer, in in the interest of honesty, that the smog issued this disclaimer as well. Um, Bank of our future. Bank on our future. Quote is coordinated by the Sunrise Project. Which supported the Smog's global investigation into the climate-conflicted ties of directors at the world's top banks. Mohammed Adao is director of the Smog UK LPD, and I, you know, I thank the Smog for their their honesty. Okay, you have to respect that. So we're going to conclude now. You know, we have the COP 26 conference looming large. Um, where basically major world governments and big movers and shakers are going to be discussing how to solve this mess we're in, how do we save the planet. But you also have many for-profit institutions like these banks that want the good publicity that comes with supporting goals which are necessary to save the planet without actually having to do anything, without having to divest themselves from any polluting industries. You also have the think tanks and the lobby groups which which provide public relations cover for the environmental crimes of big fossil fuel and others. And they're going to be part of the mix, too. So I'm sure that as COP26 conference comes to fruition this November, Extinction Rebellion will be there. They will probably be arrested for telling the truth. In the meanwhile, you will have these bankers and these these public relations firms spinning more lies as the politicians take more bribes as we descend into climate chaos because of this in this epidemic in in this epidemic of, of corruption. But they'll go after extinction rebellion and anybody else that dares to get in their way. And you have to remember, part of the public relations con job there's this narrative of personal responsibility. It's, it's this absurd idea that if you or your neighbor forget to recycle your glass and plastics, that you'll somehow doom the planet. Now, recycling and doing things at a local level definitely helps. I'm not putting it down. But the real culprits of global climate devastation are the, basically are the big fossil fuel uh, polluting energy producers and the related industries, and yes, the banks that fund them the public relations industry would have you believe that if you forgot to recycle one load that somehow you're responsible. No, it's big money that's responsible. So until big banks are forced to divest from polluting industries upon pain of criminal prosecution, and until big banks are forced to fire bank directors that have this compromise, this conflict of interest, In addition to facing civil liability on their personal fortunes, nothing will change. It's not going to happen through wishing well. These people with big money have to face negative consequences legally and financially. That's the only thing they care about. You can't pray that they have morality that they don't possess. You can't pray that these very rich have a sense of maturity that they don't possess. And until renewables are funded by governments, while those same governments heavily fine polluting industries, nothing will change. No number of pretty speeches will change the ugly reality of global climate devastation. Greenwashing the truth with fraudulent campaigns engineered to protect big banks who fund dirty energy will not change the ugly reality of global climate destruction. We have to demand criminal charges against those who profit from the destruction of this planet. We must demand payment for those environmental crimes and then use those money to subsidize jobs in renewables and subsidize the transition to renewables for every home. That's it. You can call it the Green New Deal. You can call it whatever you like, but that's what has to happen. And it's only right that those who broke it are those forced to fix it? And that tonight is our environmental justice report. I hope you learned something. I urge everybody to tune in on Sunday at Progressive News Network on Blog Talk Radio. Um, this Sunday, I will have an interview, an interesting discussion with Buzz Editor Mark Carlin on the potential, what should be the criminal liability of politicians who push these reckless COVID policies where they're pushing to um, to, to basically outlaw mask, mask mandates, even at a local level. They're pushing to outlaw mask mandates in our public schools as the Delta variant is taking lives left and right, talking about holding them criminally responsible as we should. So tune in Sunday. Mark Carlin is going to be just wonderful to have on the show. And we're going to continue to fight the good fight. So with this, I say this is Janine Moloff, the host of the Environmental Justice Report. And with that, I say good night and God bless.